Life Audio. The Ryan Reese Show from Southern California. This is The Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? All right, it is going down. This Saturday night, we have an epic show. I promise you, we have an epic show. You should actually text all your friends right now <laughs> and tell them to tune in to ryan-reese.com because this story is going to be insane. I promise you 100%. I have Tucker Mayo in studio. He's uh, the Calvary Chapel pastor of uh, Boise in uh, Idaho. And I've actually had you on the show before, but we just did a rad, uh, it was just a really cool uh, topical um, 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 interview, but we were supposed to do your testimony last time, but I'm glad we We just ended up talking the whole time. We did. And we could do that again, or we could- No, we got to definitely go through this story, (laughs) because your story is insane. Yes. Seriously, no, it's it's really radical. There's a lot of uh, people I have on on, um, the show- you know, we do questions and answers sometimes. We have testimonial. Um, sometimes I even get pastors or, or different people in to talk about certain subjects. But this story is amazing because uh, here you are, you know, growing up in, in Idaho, but you had such a radical um, testimony in your journey to find faith. And I want to get into it because um, a lot of people will relate to this because there's there's many people that have grown up within the church yep. and they've, they've seen their pathway to Christianity. And then there's other people that have uh, grown up uh, without church and they had their pathway to the world. But then there's many people like myself mm-hmm. that have had both pathways. Yep. You had the option to follow God yep. or the option to do whatever you wanted. And that's the story today. And, you know, I want to just get into it. And so you could just tell people about your journey in faith, how you got to where you're at, because I personally, after knowing your story, I think it's a miracle that you're even doing what you do. I agree 100 <laughs> percent. I think you described it perfectly. There's you know, we all have our own journeys yeah. to to the Lord. And uh, for me, I really did have kind of a parallel track, mm-hmm. uh, grew up very loosely with, uh, you know, a church upbringing. Yep. My, my family went to church, but it was never like, hey, if you don't make it on a Sunday, you know, you're in trouble or have a family meeting. It was like, go if you want. If you'd rather watch football, that's fine, too. Right. Um, was that it, from both sides of the family? Yeah, I think like so. Like your mom and yeah. your dad? Yeah, I think, you know, um, growing up in Idaho, it's we're, it was just kind of a, it's not like there was any large church or any kind of like um, giant Christian movement. It was, you know, we went to a Calvary Chapel, Boise at the time, pretty small little church. How many people is this? Uh 150, 200 when I was so a kid. So let's give people a little bit of background on, on Idaho where you're at. Um, so there there wasn't any big mega churches. It's just no. really little, small. Yeah, it was like most little churches. I mean, Idaho at the time had a population under a million for the whole state. The you whole know, state, Boise right. was 100,000 people. And I grew up in a distant little farm town outside of Boise in a town that had like 10,000 people. And it was just, it, looking back on it, it was just a really kind of open-handed childhood it was right. you know like farmland and four-wheelers and hanging out and do what you want and and you know there isn't a lot of pressure on my life and mm-hmm. um and i think those paths kind of came to a head both parents really believed in in god and kind of encouraged me to go to church but when i turned 18 so it's like that age where right. in our culture for better or worse you kind of make a decision about your identity you're trying to figure out who you are yeah. um, you step out to do your own thing and at that exact same time, my dad had kind of decided that church was definitely not for him. And my mom is is like, hey, the purpose of life is to know God. And so right. as I'm entering into my senior year of high school, I have this like kind of split 
kind of yeah. parental guidance, yep. if you will. Crossroads, for sure. Crossroads. It's yeah. like, my dad's like, explore the world, have fun while you're young, see what's out there, no pressure, just figure out who you are and, 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 and have a blast. And my mom was like, you know, um, if you honor God, she always told me three things, honor God, do your best and be kind and everything will work out in your life. But right. she was like, you got to honor God first. And so, so with that said, cause this is kind of an interesting way to be looking at things. Most people, it's either like, there's no God, just do whatever you want. Yep. Or you need to follow God. Here's two options. I don't think I've ever heard this story yeah. before. We have two actual options. Yeah. Would you think like literally like in your heart of hearts, like, What'd you think about those options? Were you leaning towards like going, forget God, I'm going to go do my thing, or maybe I should follow God? Or was it literally just you were kind of like back and forth? Yeah. I mean, it was in some ways, I think every kid has a, an, an instinct to want to honor their parents. Yeah. Um, and we can totally reject that instinct and say we rebel. But for me, I was like, no matter what I did, right. I felt like, man, either my mom's going to be happy or my dad's going to be happy. So I felt like I was playing with house money. Right. You know, I, I felt like I had room to kind of explore and and at least honor one parent. Um, you know, what? actually, now that I'm thinking about this, also um, a lot, of, you both parents were sounds like they were both super cool and like laid back in both scenarios like it wasn't coming too hard on either way no. where it could push away totally you know like yeah you have to go to church on sunday you have yep. to go on wednesday if you don't do this you're in trouble that could literally push you away well, and then it could have been like well i actually don't have to because i can do whatever i want and i right. still please one parent right you know and so um i i just like any kid just tried to figure out yeah. you know what was life about but you don't know so what do you do you just default to i guess i'll go to college right you know yeah. like, how'd that go so college for me was undeclared marriage, uh, marriage, undeclared ma- major. So you go to school. I remember the first I'm signing up for my classes and the counselor's like, what's your major? I was like, I don't know. Do you need one? He's like, no, you don't need one. I was like, okay, cool. Cause I don't have one. Right. And so college for me was really just to buy a little time and figure out, yep. you know, the default answer was answered for me. Just go to college and see what happens. And so I kind of went through my first year of college trying to, um, just explore, um, I mean, there was times in my first year of college where I would check out church still and kind of go on my own, which was a new thing because I'm like, right. oh, this is my choice to go. Yeah, yeah de- that's cool. And then you definitely get the freedom of college where I'm like, right. where are the parties at? You exactly. Know? Like, where are the girls at? Mm-hmm. And um, living on my own and girls are living on their own. So how do you like – so I was like trying to figure out how to explore both worlds. Pretty you know? gnarly, yeah. So so when you're in college, how did that um, – so after being there in a year, what – what took place next? Did you so, decide to like get your major or? So I knew I, I, I felt like, you know, you grew up in Idaho. I think one of the blessings of, of living in a small town is you want to explore. At least yeah. I did. I was like, what's out there? How right. am I going to answer this question if I don't know? And so um, I'm still trying to just I'm kind of letting the default answer define me still. So going into my sophomore year of college, uh, I'm, I'm taking out a federal loan and I have a check in my hand. Mm-hmm for my FAFSA loan to pay for all of my schooling. And I realized that I was just going to deposit it in my bank account. Right. And with the honor system, I was going to use it for credits. But I'm sitting in a computer lab literally filling out classes for my upcoming semester. And, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, dude, I got, I got 4500 bucks in the bank right now. I can do anything I want with that. <laughs> no one's monitoring that, you know? And so I, I, to this day, I remember I'm in this Boise State computer lab. I minimize the, the screen that, that had the academic, you know, classes yeah. up. And I open up a screen, a screen and I start searching for, you know, flights. Right. And um, I find a flight to Barcelona, Spain. Why did you pick Barcelona? What, what was highlighted? I think in the back of my mind, I was like, hey, is there a way I could kind of just have a 
an excuse to leave. So I was like, oh, maybe, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to learn Spanish. So, so I just started thinking through, like, where do you learn Spanish? So I started looking for flights to Spain. Right. And I didn't know, I didn't know anything about Barcelona. I knew nothing about right. Spain. Um, and so it, it was kind of had to do with money. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, after I had hatched my plan, I went and told my parents, hey, I got great news. I've decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn Spanish. That's my major now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, they're like, what's your plan? I was like, I'm moving to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And they're like, is that an official how, how, thing? How they take that? They're like, is this through the school? I was like, no. Nah, kind of. I was like, kinda. I'll come back and test out all the classes. <laughs> I'll figure it out. You know? and so, so I get to Barcelona, and, and that really set into motion. Um, the, the main thing that I was there for was just to, to explore. Like, what am I living for? So, like, do, where'd you stay? Like, a bre- bed and breakfast? Uh, or, so, or I, like I a... booked the flight, and then I reached out to a Spanish-language school in Barcelona. Okay, and... so you actually went through that? Well, kind of. Not really. I mean, I just was <laughs> trying to find somebody to know. And so, through that school, somebody's like, well, you can get an apartment, and I can show you around. And okay. so, some guy was like, had an apartment for me. In fact, the first day I got there, I was thinking of, like, going from, you know, little Idaho kid to actually kind of figuring out how to explore the world. He, uh, he, he, he gives me a key to this apartment. He's like, here's your apartment. I was like, rat, I'm here to explore. So I grab my key, I drop off my bag, and I start walking around. Uh-huh. And I, I'm, I'm a, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh-huh. I have no phone. I have no maps. And I walk around far enough to get lost. <laughs> I had no idea where this house was. I just, no. And so I spent the first day and a half in Barcelona walking around looking for the apartment i spent the first night i was there on the street dude I dude slept. are you serious did i slept <laughs> I, I remember like what am i doing in my life i have a key and i have a vague re- remembrance of a building facade that is amazing. i literally did not i put my bags on i started walking around yeah. and got lost yeah no i believe it it's, it's very confusing it's very I, confusing I, I had no idea what i was doing and i remember getting i was like i think this is it i'm trying my key and i'm like oh, and i made it i made it so that actually that first night of, of being lost i was like dude this is i can do this i can just i can just wander around you know and so that turned into me really from barcelona i started just kind of looking for opportunities to explore and i eventually met these two australian girls in barcelona that told me they were backpacking i was like what's right. backpacking right. right and they're like oh dude backpacking is you you actually just travel through europe and you just try you know new locations and you can stay at these things called hostels and i was like dude that's awesome they were like we actually have an extra backpack our friend just left. And I was like, I'm in. You're gone, yeah. Yeah. And so I met them on a subway. They told me about it and, and in a subway in Barcelona. And a couple hours later, they gave me a backpack. And I started traveling with these two girls. And we get all the way down to the south of Spain. And um, they were like, we always wanted to go to Morocco. But as two girls, we didn't think we could go. I was like, let's go. I'll go. And so we get all the way down to Morocco. And I and by that point, I felt like, dude, I, I'm a backpacker now. And so I live in, in Morocco. is super cheap. I stayed there for about a month. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it just turned into kind of just following the next opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those girls go to Portugal. In, in, um, in Morocco, I'd met a guy named Mark who was a Canadian uh, soap opera actor. Mm-hmm. And he had a connection in Paris. And so I went to Paris and started couch surfing in Paris with Mark. And Mark got a gig to go back to Canada but left me with a contact for an organic farm. So I go to this organic farm, and I'm working as an organic farmer, room and board, in, mm-hmm. in Normandy, France. Amazing. Beautiful. Right. So now I'm like, oh, I've got to tell my parents I'm learning French. <laughs> <laughs> changing, changing the plan. Changing the they plan. They speak Spanish in French. Yeah, yeah. so I was like, dude, I learned more French than Spanish, probably, because yeah. I'm on a farm. Yeah, actually yeah, living, exactly. You know? And so from that, from that farm, I met these two girls that were from Northern California. They, we kind of formed a friendship, and uh, they were like, hey, 
we're gonna we're gonna go to Belgium and just go hang out and party. I was like, I'm in. And so it was literally just me. Yeah, you're just, just living. I'm, I'm I'm following the wind. Yeah. I'm just kind of following the wind and yeah. anywhere I could pick up a little cash. So the farm put a little money in my pocket and and that's really where I I, I have a story in this travel that kind of became more of a defining time in, right. in Belgium. Um. As we were the first night we were there, we were just kind of hanging out. We were partying. We had money, bought some beers. Actually, bought a stereo from a homeless guy on the street. Mm-hmm. Bring the stereo back. We're partying and uh, hanging out. And I'm cranking music because back in the day, this was pre iPod. This is so I hadn't listened to music the whole time I was on that farm, dude. Oh, so right. I was like, dude, I bought the Beck Sea Change CD and I was cranking it. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome. <laughs> and, and I felt like a million bucks, yeah. dude. I had money, a CD player, and some beers, and I was hanging out with girls. Yeah, that's and that's so, pretty much uh, so, that's living it up at that yeah, age, dude. At that, <laughs> at that stage of my life, I was like, dude, this little Idaho kid has made it. <laughs> you know? And that that night, as we're listening so to music, awesome. this lady comes in. She works at the hotel. She says, "Hey, you guys are being loud. Turn it down." Yeah. And and I'm learning how to party, so I'm like, "Yeah, we'll turn it down. Turn the knob." And then she leaves, and I'm like, "Turn it back up, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back and forth." <laughs> Finally, she confiscates my CD player. Uh-huh. She puts it into this little hotel lobby, closes this gate like you see at the mall when they close yeah, their yeah. store. And I'm like, you know, watch this, ladies. I'm going to go steal my CD player back. And I go over there. The coast is clear. She's she's retired for the night. And I prop open that little gate, and I sneak under, and I rummage around the back room, find my CD player right next to a safe. And this, and I'm looking. I'm like, dude, I see that the safe wasn't closed all the way. Cracked open. Cracked open. I peek in there, and I see a stack of euros. And I'm like... Mm-hmm. You know, traveling through, and I'm chasing the wind, mm-hmm. and so I, I leave everything as it was. I go back, find these girls, and I say, "Hey, tell them the story. I just found a safe with a bunch of cash in it. If you want to steal this with me, meet me. Go pack your bags. Meet me in 30 minutes in the lobby. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I'm go back and I'm packing my bag, and I'm like trying to hype myself up to to, to rob a hotel, yeah. you know." Yeah. And, Back in my mind, I'm thinking if they don't show up, this is off, you know. And yeah. then and I get to the to the the hotel little meeting area, and they're they're like nervously waiting with their bags, and I'm like, okay. And so run in there, have a little Crown Royal risky bag, and I just empty the safe, put a bunch of euros in there. We we run to the train station, and the first ticket that they have out of Belgium is like a midnight train to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And so now, oh no, Amsterdam with a water cash, a water cash, Not good. Two two girls from. <laughs> Humboldt County. <laughs> I never heard of Humboldt County in my life. Dude. I'm like, what's that? What's Humboldt you County? Should, yeah, if you would have known, you'd have been yeah. like, I'm not running. I'm out. Girls. Yeah, I'm this out. This is not good. Yeah. A lot of cash, two girls from Humboldt. And they take Amsterdam? me to Amsterdam, dude. Okay, so what happened? So we get to Amsterdam, <laughs> and these one of the girls is like, hey, my brother. I almost died in Amsterdam twice. But dude, anyway, I believe going. it, dude. <laughs> dude, I, I saw some near-death experiences in Amsterdam yeah. for sure. Um, and I'm an Idaho kid, so all of this is just I'm dude, just this is insane. I'm just chasing you. the wind. Dude. You guys, and Idaho so, kid from yeah. back then, you don't understand. Like this is farmland. I'm not nothing like yeah. crazy for like the, every for, one of these experiences. I was like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was exactly. like, I didn't know this was a thing. <laughs> you know. And so we get to Amsterdam and they have that Crown Royal bag, and she's like, my brother once stayed at a place called the Flying Pig Hostel. We got to check it out. And I'm like, okay, cool. And we get there and they have this huge downstairs lounge, and it's like come to find out it's like a weed smokers mecca you get to amsterdam and you get to this lounge and it was like dude in in some ways i have like great memories like yeah. i learned how to play backgammon down there mm-hmm. i didn't i never knew what a bong rip was i yeah. didn't know any of that stuff <laughs> i'm learning all of that stuff real the time. magical mushrooms are heavily <laughs> yeah, there. all i didn't know what edibles Legally. were dude oh. i didn't know any of that stuff yeah and so 
it's crazy. Dude, I, I try edibles and I'm like, I'm still hungry. Can I have some more? And they're like, no, <laughs> you know, this is not a normal brownie. And so I'm learning all of this stuff. And, you know, this is where those paths kept converging. So yeah. obviously right now in, in the storyline of the world and the church and how yep. they parallel, yep. dude, the world is just winning. This is pulling, pulling me, it's just pulling me in. And I look back at this and I, dude, I, I, off, I don't really even share this as like part of my testimony typically because God smuggled into that little downstairs basement at the Flying Pig mm-hmm. Hostel in Amsterdam with a kid who's, you know, chasing the, the wind and, and mm-hmm. a little bit of guilt in this Crown Royal bag. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now you got the little bit of guilt. Oh, yeah, now I'm like, dude, dude, like, honestly, I'm like, dude, I'm a thief. I'm on the run. Yeah, yeah. Like, (laughs) like at any point, I actually remember getting off the train to Amsterdam, they... They send they, they sent a guy through and he's like passports passports and I was like yeah you're like oh like, this is go. it I, was like, <laughs> I, I know what you're saying and he looks at my passport and he's like go ahead I'm like thank you so much I'm out of here so I got you know I've just got this yeah and and I'm downstairs in that basement and I'm just all these new things are coming at me and I grab a book off the bookshelf in this little basement of the hostel and it's called the Bible Code mm-hmm. dude and if you know anything about the Bible Code this is the Bible Code two it was called. Mm-hmm. It was basically this weird, this weird idea that if you look at the ancient text of the Bible, so you look at the original Hebrew, there was this guy who had a probably a Amsterdam hostel idea <laughs> that he probably spent a lot of time in Amsterdam yeah, totally. smoking weed, and he somehow knew Hebrew, and he he said, okay, there's actually a code to the Bible to prove that God can tell the future. And so I'm reading this book. I'm like, dude, tell me more. And his idea was you take the original Hebrew and you put in these patterns. Mm. And if you take the patterns and you take each letter out of the pattern, it starts giving these clues that, that, that are prophetic. Mm. And so one of them is like JFK killed 1963 or whatever that date was. Uh, there was like 9-11 codes. Mm. There was like all, and I'm like, dude, imagine this young yeah. kid and everything's and, coming at me. Yeah, you're, you're, you're from... Idaho, yes. all these new experience. You're Brand- on the run. You're high out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. And I'm now I'm like, and we'd get you thinking some crazy <laughs> yeah. stuff, by the way. And I'm like, dude, that was all predicted. This is real. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, the the story cannot stop here. The Bible code is proven to not be a thing. Yeah. But one of the, the book ends with this guy coding out the Bible, and it says the world's going to end in 2006. And I'm like, dude, I just get I get this like moment where I'm like. And what, t- what year is it? it the year is 2003 okay. at this time. Now, and, and I'm like balancing. This is why I'm always like, I, I don't even like sharing this part because it was obviously not true. But let me tell you something. God uses a donkey. Yes. Remember he used a donkey yes. to speak. He this, That was totally yep. crazy. Yep. God could do anything. And I've heard many stories of God using like a lyric in a song from like a non-Christian band. They say something and then the Holy Spirit starts bringing that lyric to their mind yes. for hours and yep. hours. And that ends up leading them to YouTube to finding Jesus. So yes. God will use anything to get a hold of his people. And so that's why, I mean, it's, it's I'll put it on the table and share it Yeah, because it's like God, what he did in, in my life is he wasn't telling me when the world was going to end, yeah. but he was telling me that my, my days are numbered. I, there's going to be a reckoning for my life. And w- what if, in my mind, I was like, 2006, I have three years to know what I believe. Yeah. And and so, 
you know, I, you know, I'm still in Amsterdam. I'm still going through all the mental headspace of that. And and, and weed makes you very paranoid, by the yeah, way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, And it makes, dude, it's it, this is, the, yeah. But it's awesome how God's getting a hold of you. He's and, getting well, hold. Think about this. You're you're literally, dude. You're, I mean, you're running. You're you're out of your your yeah. your normal zone. Your weed. You're with girls. You're in this whole element. I mean, he had to get to get he you had, somehow. He, smuggle, he had to smuggle himself in. Yeah, you know what I mean. And in that's your what element, he yeah. did. And, you know, that's not like it's not like I repented in that moment and and figured out how to seek God or or even go to church. It was just like there was this giant seed that was in my heart. And so I spent another six months with Europe stories that are very similar to all of these moments. And by God's grace, I never nothing tragic ever happens. Yeah. And I get to the end of this time where i was just exploring i thought you know what it's time to go back and and so um i get back to the states and i'm like what do i do with my life now right because i really felt this okay i I feel like i'm a different person now yeah i don't feel like this and you've experienced you you are like the world is a big old place Uh and and there's so many things you can do if you just step out and do it and you know i I figured out how to i think i traveled to like 16 countries and i slept on beaches i was living with a a girl in denmark for a while i made it all to poland and hitchhiked and it was just i tried all these things you see the world and now you're back here how would you even feel like being back here in idaho in some ways i was like dude i can do anything with my life yeah like not in the prideful sense no i know what you're saying yeah the world is the, you can do anything that you want to do. Yeah. And so it's not like I had the answer to the purpose of life, but I definitely had confidence. Like, I can do whatever I want. And But in that time, I was like, I can't just go back to school, especially if the world's going to end. You know, because oh, it's yeah, still in the back of my that. mind. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> I knew about Calvary Chapel because uh-huh. I had grown up in and out of it. Right. So I was like, dude, they have a Bible college. So I was like, I'm going to go to Bible college. I must have been the worst Bible college applicant ever, dude. You know, Just in from Amsterdam. I remember filling it out. I was like, I don't know. Like, I think they'll take anybody. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I literally drive down from Idaho to Bible college. And I was like, oh, oh so ba- okay. So, so, so people that don't know, this is the the Bible college that was created by Chuck Smith down in Marietta in California. Yes. Right? So you drove yes. down there. Yes. And part of that was like, I I want to I want to live not in Idaho still. I want right, to explore. Right. So I, and I've always thought california was cool ocean palm trees beaches yeah so california seemed cool and then also i was like dude hopefully bible college can tell me how to use the next three years of my life right. you know because cool. that's what i was working with a three-year time frame yep. and i get down there a week early and i'm like dude i'm gonna yeah. check this stuff out down here so yeah, i was yeah. down there i was sleeping on couches in hermosa dude yeah <laughs> dude, i get down there i was i met a bartender at a at a uh, uh one of those pier bars at uh hermosa beach mm-hmm. and i had a week and i started sleeping on her couch just hanging out in Hermosa before I make it to Marietta. I remember we, I get there the day of registration. I was like, dude, I can't just, I'm ready for Bible college. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, so I got awesome. to figure this out. But hey, you know what I love about this story? This is literally like when you start, when you read about um, the Calvary guys from like uh, the hippie movement when they got saved, you got the Lonnie Frisbee. He was struggling, struggling with homosexuality. And, and then you got, uh, you know, this LSD guy running around naked, found God on LSD. Yeah. You got Mike McIntosh. He took too much LSD and he thought his head was blown off. He'd look in the mirror and his face was gone. Jeff Johnson was in Hawaii, left California. He was naked in the mountains, uh, waiting for the UFOs to abduct him. Skip Isaac used to astro travel. He was in a new age in witchcraft. Crazy, dude. I mean, yeah. so so your story, yeah, being a Calvary guy, yeah. this is kind of like the DNA. I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> I was trying to go through the Bible college route. But, you know, I was but this is very common yeah. within, within yeah. Uh, these guys getting saved yeah. radically, and then God uses them greatly. Yeah. 
So, okay, yeah. so here you are. You signed up at Bible college. Signed up at Bible college, and I'm like, I'm oh. ready. Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm like, and I was like, I've got to figure this out. So I was really, everything in me was like committed. Yeah, that, and that's what's awesome. The heart was like ready. Everything in me was committed. In fact, like within the first two weeks, some people at Bible college were like, hey, let's go drink some beers. And I was like, I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you. <laughs> I was like, I, I, if I wanted to drink beer, I'd be in Europe right now. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. I'd, I'd be back in Hermosa Beach or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, you guys, this is, I'm trying to not drink beer. Yeah. So I went to the dean of men. I was like, these guys are drinking beers. Just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> probably very hypocritical of me to do that with, you know, like coming off a run of just yeah, I know. stumbling into Bible well, college. Well, God, you know, but so God was, God was doing something in your heart though. That's what's awesome is God was, he's already starting to prepare your heart. Yeah. So how did Bible college so Bible college, you know, I'm actually celebrating my 20 year. Actually, uh, there's a there's a Calvary Chapel Canada pastor that was just in town. I was like, dude, this is our 20 year. He's like, dude, our 20 years in two years. You only made it one semester. It's oh, like, yeah. oh, <laughs> our 20 year to our start. <laughs> He's like, that's not how it works. So, so what happened? Well, so, so I'm what? there for a semester. And, and dude, I actually this is where I really get like a, such a love for the Calvary Chapel vibe and the movement. And like, dude, I, I, I think it was it was just God kind of coming around me and and and. I felt so refreshed by it. But at the same time, I was like, well, I'm not a pastor. These, right. And I'm hanging out with these guys, and they're talking about becoming missionaries and becoming pastors. I was like, I got it. I got, God is real. Yeah. Jesus is definitely the best. I like all these Calvary guys, too. I remember yeah. seeing Chuck in the in the uh, golf cart riding around. I was like, dude, that guy's a legend. You know, I was like in. Um, but I was also like, but I got to figure out what I'm doing in my life because right. I'm not a Calvary guy. I'm just, yeah. I just came here to kind of get my theology checklist. Yeah. and And so... I went back to Boise because I was like, I got to go back to real school. If I'm going to provide for a family or do whatever I'm supposed to do with my yeah. life, I got to make some money. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so um, I went back to um, to Boise and basically, you know, it was like, nice knowing you guys. You guys, that was awesome. But yeah. I'm not, what do I need a college, a Bible college degree for? Yeah. I would never, I would never, ever be a pastor. Right. So I was yeah. like, thanks for the, <laughs> thanks for helping me understand, like, End of times. I'm, I'm honestly feeling good about my. Yeah. And then so, I, but I went back to Boise. I was like, I don't know with my life. And so, you know, I have these moments, kind of like the the hotel moment where, and maybe we, we maybe we save kind of the shift from Bible yeah. college to yeah yeah to. Uh, well, okay. So before before we go into that next half, when you're now back in Bible college, we're back in Boise. I'm sorry, back in Boise, going back to college. What's your perspective now? Kind of looking at what you've been through. Then you went down to California. You you encountered God. That's and a, now you're back here in college. Like, how are you looking? It was, at dude, things? it was it was the tug of war just went right back to it. Because that's dude, so common. Because huh? I was in Bible college, and I was like, yep. every one of these girls, I I looked at every girl, and I've my time there, and I was just like, I don't want to mess up anybody. And that's one of the like, even having a Bible college girlfriend, I was like, I don't want to mess up her life right. with me, yeah. you know. So I, I almost had like imposter syndrome. They call it. Mm-hmm. Get back to Boise, I'm like, oh, dude, nobody knows me as a Christian here, and nobody thinks of me as like anybody like trying to pursue anything. this. What you're saying is the common. Like I, the common thing with a lot of people, this is it's the tug of war. Like I remember trying to get sober, and I'd get sober. I'd plug into church for a little yeah. bit, and I'd be doing good, and then and then I'd get out of my groove and get right back yeah. to what. It's so easy. This is the common in and out. Even like you know Daniel with the whosoever's, he had the same thing. He was in church, and he was starting hooking up with girls back and forth. And it's just like this common back and forth until there's a day yeah. when finally, because God will let you. Uh, He'll let you go do your thing back and forth, but there'll be there's always a day of hopefully it's not a day of reckoning where you're like in jail and you're like okay, but it's a I it, went too far or yeah. like me a yodid in the, the hotel point of no room. return yeah, but 
or there's a day when finally when you just encounter God and you go, okay, you know yeah. what? I'm, I'm sold out. I'm not perfect. I don't have to figure it out. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes on, along the way like Peter and these other guys that we read about in the Bible. But you're really like sold out and then God starts truly doing something in your yeah. life. And that's what we're going to get to uh, after the break is when we get to that moment in your life and and it's the still the journey's still on because right now you're back in college I'm just getting going you're looking exactly <laughs> I'm just getting going get, you had an encounter with god at the bible college yeah. but just like many people that are actually listening to this right now you had a moment with god sometime in your life but then for whatever reason you got back on the detour route it's like the tug of war just gets stronger it does. You know. And I think the Bible even talks about how, like, well, it just talks about how, like, you know, people that are get possessed, when they take the demon yeah. out, if they don't clean the home and put the word of God in, yeah. they, that demon comes back with seven more homeboys, homeboys exactly, yeah. to take care of you. Not that you're demon possessed or anything, but it's the influence of Satan. When you have an encounter with God and then you walk back away from him, he influences you even more. And every time you go back, it's even gnarlier and gnarlier. And I can attest to that 100%. So we're going to come back uh, right after the break. But before we go to the break, I want you guys to check out, uh, go to my YouTube, Ryan Reese Official. Uh, subscribe, f- uh, share it. There's tons of shows with all kinds of different testimonies. We do like the Wild West. We take questions and answers. You can send in whatever questions. No questions are too crazy for this show. Um, you can go to whosoevers.com. Book us. We are touring the globe. We just got back from the Philippines. So like 6,000 students give their life to Christ. We were going to villages where they didn't even have a church plant. We're planning on uh, sending people there to plant churches right now. The Gideons came with us. We gave out scriptures to all the students. We're going to Chile, uh, all over the United States, Europe, Australia. Continue to book us. We love to come out and do ministry with you guys. Um, I also have a book out. It's called Kill the Noids. It's a discipleship faith builder book. You can get it everywhere books are sold. If you want to read reviews, you can even go to Amazon and you can see how that book has encouraged you guys or other people that have read it. Check us out on social media. We, um, we're just excited that you guys are continuing to tune in with us. You know, this show is to build you up in the faith, to teach you. It's the Jesus 101 show, to teach you the basic fundamentals of faith and even through testimony because testimony is powerful. Just like you're getting encouraged with this guy's story, Tucker from Calvary Chapel, Boise. We have many more online. I will talk to you in two minutes. Peace. More of The Ryan Reese Show coming up. Post your questions at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
Now, back, back, back to the Ryan Reese Show. All right, we are back, and I'm with Tucker. He's the Calvary Chapel pastor of Boise, Idaho. And your last name, because you know, you have a couple different last names. Yes. Tucker Gmail. Yes, that's my middle initials, G. My last name's Mail. So, Tucker and, Gmail. And then I, uh, I long to someday live in Hawaii, so my Hawaiian last name is Maile. <laughs> So there it is. It's a true story. Many last names. Yeah. Hey, if you guys have been listening to the first half, uh, you've heard this. This guy just uh, has a crazy story of, you know, he had two different pathways. One, he said his mom said, just follow God and everything will work out. And then his dad just said, you know, go go see what the world has to offer. And now he here. Here he is after this journey of going after the world, end up backpacking through Europe. You know, there's a Tarantino movie about this called (laughs) Hostel. He lived it. And now you're back in. You've seen. Crazy stuff, yep. Amsterdam, everything. I mean, your mind's probably blown. Um, I'm from L.A., and I went to Amsterdam. My mind was blown. Yeah, I was like, exactly. what the heck? Yeah. So here you are back in in the country in Boise, and you're back at the, the university, yep. the college. Yep. What happens there? Because I want to I go through a highlight reel of different things because there's many wake-up calls, very yep. radical wake-up calls that happen in your life leading to the moment of really, truly, truly giving your life to Christ. I think that's the perfect way to state it. You know, we, we talked about going to Bible college, and I really do think at Bible college I said God is real. Yep. I don't know how to live for you really, but I do believe in you. And so I think God honored that confession and mm-hmm. said, okay, um, even though the tug of war is still there, yep. do you live for God? Do you live for the world? Now God is going to meet me at every stage of the tug of war with a wake-up call. And yeah. so that's essentially what happened. I, I, I leave Bible college. I say, if I'm ever going to have, you know, a, a way to make money, I go to go to college. Right. And um, so, but that turned into the college experience again. I'm like at Boise State, I might as well just get back into partying and exploring. And, um, and that turned into a wake up call. Uh, kind of number one was uh, one night I'm just out with a really good friend of mine. It's a Saturday uh, he had missed his flight back back to where he was living, so we had a day just to get one last run in and hang out, and and we you know we were just drinking, bar hopping downtown, and and uh, that turned into a two a.m. run to grab him some orange juice and you know do some you know liquids before we we crash and try to curb the the uh, hangover. And um, unbeknownst to us, earlier that day mm-hmm. there had been an armed robbery of the U.S. Bank on Broadway downtown. Mm-hmm. And so um, there was an all-points bulletin. The, the, the guys went in there. It was two guys driving a four-door car. They go in there with guns. They get all the money. They run, and they're at large. So the cops respond by sending an APB, all-points bulletin, to all of the, you know, the night, the night life of right. Boise. Say, just be watching out. So we didn't know that. We were just a couple of knuckleheads rolling into a gas station, and— uh, by God's sovereignty, I just fit the bill for what this <laughs> nervous gas station lady had been looking for all night. Yeah. So my, me, me and my buddy, we're two guys, we're driving a four-door car. As I'm walking in, I find aviator sunglasses yeah. on the ground, and I'm literally like slow motion Tarantino walking in uh-huh. from, from Reservoir Dogs, yep. putting on At aviators, yep. and this girl's like, oh my goodness. This is it. They're here this to This is me. it, and I'm, I'm an idiot. My buddy's an idiot. He's just staring at the orange juice options. I'm waiting for him by the cash register, asking this lady why she's so nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, what's going on? Like, why are you so nervous? You nervous about the night shift? Like, you get robbed here a lot? And... She had already picked up enough signals to 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 dial nine one one and leave it off the hook. She's like, "I am bringing in backup right now." The cops are on their way in her mind, and she's just trying to buy time. And uh, I ask her if she's nervous. She's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Let me see your hands." 
in her mind, she's asking me to stick up her hands. Her hands. I was like, you know, asking just to her, see this. Yeah, like shaking. let me see if you're shaking. Like, yeah. let's see how these nerves look. You're like. buzzing. You're just yeah. You know. I'm like, I'm an idiot. And yeah. so uh, she takes that. She picks up her hands and then she grabs all of the. She grabs the tray out of the register. Said, "Please don't hurt me." Puts it on the counter. And I'm like, uh, so <laughs> I'm not after your money. Yeah, I'm out of here. And so I'm like, hey, bro, we got to get out of here. There's a huge misunderstanding. And we take off down the road. A minute later, cops show up, and she's like, they went that way. Right. And so I'm just driving. I see the red and blues, and I'm like, dude, we're getting a DUI. I'm drinking all day, and now I must have been swerving. Pull into a parking lot, and the cop doesn't do anything. I'm like, this is weird. Aren't we supposed, isn't he supposed to approach the – we wait five minutes, nothing's happening. And we're like, dude, what is going on? Within five minutes, we are surrounded by pretty much all of the Boise Police Department, and they're giving me directions through a bullhorn to crawl out the window, <laughs> get on my knees, hands on my head – I look down and I see the red dots. They're red ready dots for a shootout. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this is not a normal DUI. Dude, they, they bag us and tag us and take us in. I was like, I didn't even get to walk the line. <laughs> what the heck is going on? So they take us to the interrogation room. It looks like this little studio. And they're yeah. like, dude, where are the guns? Where's the money? Why did you guys, what was your motive? Why did you rob the bank? Have you robbed other banks? I'm like, I think this is a horrible, horrible mix up. But I basically just go dark. They throw me in jail and I call my mom and I'm like, she's like you've got a collect call from the 80 county jail and i'm like mom i don't know what's going on but i think there's been a mix-up and she's like your name and your face is all over the news it says you robbed a bank earlier today (laughs) and i'm like are you kidding me dude this is this is big mix-up a huge case of mistaken (laughs) identity and yet as i now know god uses all of these things It's kind of like attention. how he smuggled in the Bible code. It's yep. like it's not real, but it's going to be real for you. Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, if you keep so, living like this. So I'm like, yeah. oh, my goodness. Like, I, if you get me out, it's like the classic, like, I don't want to go yep. to prison um, if you can get me out of this. So I spent like six months basically in forced repentance. I'm like, I'm an idiot. I, I mean, I'm going through all these court trials and trying to tell people I don't own a gun and I never was at the U.S. Bank and robbers are still at large. And, yeah. you know, the news is all over it. And the first time I show up to court, there's like cameras in my face because they, they're like, who is this? Yeah. Who is this young bank robber? <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. So no, that's gnarly. It, it took so long. And I had basically had any pride that I've developed over, you know, the fun run of Europe is like, dude, now people think I'm a, a, a bank robber. And so I'm just like, I don't know what to do with my life. You know what I mean? And so over time, it, it gets further and further reduced. Eventually, I just have to start picking up mm-hmm. community service hours. And so I spent time just rehabbing my own identity. So this, was, so this was like a major, major, I mean, I'd be freaking out if I went through this and even just like going through this for like six months. So then you, you go to God. Yep. But then... There's a because we I know we have like a little bit of time left. Yes. Um. There was a couple other crazy wake yes. up calls. You you ended up like so you in, just, essentially I go from wake up call. Here's the pattern. You get a wake up call, yeah. and then you you get this little period where it's like the like what am I doing with my life is forced upon me. And right. You survive it. Yep. And you, you survive. Get, it, you get you out of back. it. I'm like, wait a second. Wait a you second. Go back. And so I start. I, I get a sales job, and that sales job, I got money in my pocket now. Yep. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, I, I survived. I'm not in jail. I'm not in prison. Yep. I go right back. That sales job. Long story short, actually sends me to Panama City, Panama. Mm-hmm. And now, what was a little bit of money in Boise, Idaho, doing sales is like I'm the richest guy on the street now. Right. And I'm taking my, you know, broke Europe hitchhiking party habit 
and infusing it into a party city with a bunch of money. You always take your habits with you. I take my habits with yep. me and now so I got money. True. So it's yep. like the worst case scenario. Yeah. But over time, I'm, mm. I'm like feeling this sense of emptiness. Mm. And eventually Panama, this whole operation that I'd been working with, you know, doing sales to set up people with offshore accounting, it, it all came to a head in the financial crisis. Mm. And the head who started this, this operation, um, he actually got upside down in his money and he started embezzling money out and he, he started hatching a plan to flee with a bunch of the investors' money. Got it. I'm holding the bag. Mm-hmm. I'm like one of the guys who I'm like, what is going on? The financial crisis just fell upon this company and there wasn't enough money to pay everybody back. And this guy ran off with the money. Long and, and story, and wake up call again. <laughs> yep. And I'm the, I'm the employee that had been selling this stuff right and in and recruiting investments and or investors and taking them on trips in panama and showing them the how legit everything was and so now i've got um millions of dollars that are now lost and i'm wrestling with what the heck am i doing with my life now so that wake-up call came in the form of a knock on my door two fbi agents show up they sit me down they ask me questions for four hours about everything i knew about my time in Panama and um, where this where this guy may be living and my own involvement in it. And I'm just thinking, OK, now I'm really going to prison now. You're really now and I was like, I remember, dude, I remember telling those guys, like, I will do anything to help you guys. I, I was kind of playing with them, like, let's do a sting, like, send me down to where <laughs> I was like, I'll work for the FBI, baby. I will flip on this guy so fast. And yeah, he, he really, yeah, left, but, but put you in a bad situation. It, it turned into me just being in contact with these guys. They'd call me and they'd ask me questions as they're trying to crack the case. Yeah. And it turned into that new spell of forced repentance, yeah. reflection. God, how am I doing in my what, life? Yep. And, an and an every idiot. time yep. this happened to my life, my identity just gets stripped right down to the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, my identity is like, as a cool kid going to Boise State, now it's like, dude, you're actually a bank robber. That's what everybody yeah. thinks about you. Yeah. And now people are like, what were you doing in Panama? What was, what was going on down there? And I'm like, dude, I, I can't even talk about it. Legally, yeah. I can't even talk about it. I've got zero thing to show. I've got nothing to show for my life right now. I've got all the money has been seized. Everything yeah. is gone. And people ask me what I'm doing with my life, and I can't even tell them. I had no identity. And yeah. so, Dang. you know, so I'm like, what do I do with my life? And it turns into another like, well, I'm just going to wait. While I was in Panama, I remembered that one of the places I used to hang out down there was the Panama Yacht Club. And I loved those guys, dude. It looked like they were having such a good time. Mm-hmm. looked like they'd figure out the key to life because they, they worked on a yacht. They would come into these little ports from Panama to Costa Rica to the Mediterranean, party for four days, get back on their yacht, go to the next thing. I was like, dude, that, I always thought that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. And so when I was trying to think, what do I even do with my life? I reached out to a guy named Ruslan who had been working as a mechanic on one of these yachts. I was like, dude, how do I get into yachting? I'm just going to reset my life. And, and It's so interesting, this story, as I'm listening. It's like you keep trying to reset it without yeah, God. exactly, dude. And it just keeps I failing. I keep trying to reset. It, I, which it, is very, that's the common story with a lot of people. And, and, and I did all the Ecclesiastes things. Yeah. It was like, I'm going to try pleasure. I'm going to try making a bunch of money. Yeah. I'm going to try seeing the world. Because yachting yeah. to me was like, I'm just going to go back to the, the, the person that was just exploring and trying things, right. and I'll get paid right. to do it. Right. And so he's like, dude, just go to you know a major yachting center, start knocking doors, and see if anybody will hire you. Mm-hmm. So I booked a Greyhound ticket from Boise to Fort Lauderdale. I've got no money, no plan. I just knew that I, I needed to do something. So get to Fort Lauderdale and Come to find out, the yachting world is a huge party, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, dude, I had no idea. Again, I'm like, I'm ready to. I'm thinking, dude, I'm just gonna be mopping and like helping serve. And it's like the yachting world is is like 
It's all party. It's, it's all work party. hard, play hard. That's I never heard do. that term. Yeah. And that's all it is. It's like you work really hard and you polish and you get a bunch of money and you're in this tropical location with beautiful people and rich people and then you just party. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this again. It's like I, the prodigal son. Dude, it was the – All pro- the money and then just blow it away. Yep. That's and so it. I get a job at a, uh, on a yacht called Diamond Girl based out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and, and I was loving it and polishing and I was living in a little yacht house where people live when they're on shore. And then um, Diamond Girl starts doing its little tour. It's in season now, and it goes from Fort Lauderdale to the Bahamas, and it's got all the Caribbean mapped out. And they're like, you know, if you want to, if you want to come with us, you're in. And so I was like, sweet, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm working on a yacht. I'm a deckhand, and now I just get to go from you know charter to charter where people come on and I'll serve them. And dude, we get to the Bahamas, and I'm like, another wake up call because the Bible College Confession, God, you're real. I don't know how to live for you, but I believe in you. Every time I had a new wake-up call, it was like, this ain't it. It's not just mm-hmm. partying at Boise State. Mm-hmm. It's not just making a bunch of money and living in a party city in Panama. Mm-hmm. It's not exploring the world and yep. just taking cool pictures. Yep. And so when I got to the Bahamas, mm-hmm. I'm feeling that emptiness, that vanity of Ecclesiastes. And, and one night in the Bahamas, we, me and another deckhand go out hanging out is very common yachts pull up to like the nicest little part of the harbor you usually have casinos and you know little malls all yeah. around so we go into one of the casinos and we just we have a we have a layover in the bahamas we're gonna hang out and uh we immediately get paired up with a bachelorette party of course and it's like fishing with dynamite you're you're working on a yacht mm-hmm. these women are coming from the states to do a bachelorette party in the bahamas it's like that's their and a yacht party and they're like we just met some yachties yeah exactly they're so excited so i get one of them just clinging to the perfect storm yep (laughs) and so um so i go back the 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 bachelorette party eventually you know comes back to to the boat and um in that mix-up i'm 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 in bed and and you know there's all sorts of partying yeah it's just normal yacht party yeah and uh I get a I get a knock in, in the twilight hours of the morning, and it's it's the AKs in my face, dude. It's Federales. The, yes, it's the Bohemian federal guys, and they're like, "Get get out of your cabin." There's been a there's been a crime reported on this. Day. I'm like, what's "Oh going my down? Tucker, <laughs> dude, dude, God's grace on your life is like yes." Yes, uh, God had. And so I'm like, God had a huge plan for like, your life. What the heck happened last night? I'm thinking, I'm, <laughs> this felt like the, it felt like I was in the movie Clue. I was like, <laughs> did somebody get murdered? Like, what happened? Like, what, what are we doing here? And um, so we get up there. It was like Clue, dude. They pulled the captain. We have on our on our little uh, on our little yacht. Yeah. It was like captain, chef, first mate. This, this engineer, story is so in- deckhand. In- we're all sitting around, <laughs> and we got the pa- Bohemian police, dude. And it was like it was. I could tell it was makeshift because. Yeah. And one, they're strapped with AKs, yeah. and they had the classic Bohemian helmets, you know, the little yeah. rim helmet. Yeah. And then the, the chief was was rolling around with a neck pillow. I was like, dude, what's this lady what doing? What is this? <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Just in case he gets tired. Yeah, I was uh, like, why is this guy got a girl? It's a girl. She was uh, like, why is this girl got a neck pillow on? I was, <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I trust this investigation. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so so I'm just sitting there, and I see them. They're, they're pulling sheets from all the cabins. In, in the yacht, and I'm like, dude, why are they pulling my sheets? I was just sleeping, yeah. just hanging out. And uh, so they, they just collect the evidence, they go back, and then I'm, I'm just polishing with the deckhand. I was like, dude, what, the, what happened? Yeah. What did yeah. you do last night? Because this yeah. guy was wild. Yeah. And uh, he's like, dude, I got down, but you know, it was totally cool. You know, yeah. like me and this girl got down, but it was totally cool. And I was like, 
all right, like that was weird. You know, another yeah. one of those like, yeah. and they come back, they roll in their little police golf cart, and uh, neck pillow lady comes back, and she's like, you two, I want to question you. And uh, they take me down to the little bohemian police station, and uh, they're like, you are being, you're being placed under arrest till further notice while we investigate this crime. And I'm like, what, me? Yeah. You know, I'm checking in. They're like, take your shoelaces off. Because they said they just wanted to interview me. Yeah. Like, no belt, no shoelaces. I was like, for an interview? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm down, though. I don't care. I'm just a kid from Idaho. I trust everybody. Here you go. <laughs> and they like, throw me in this jail. And it was like, dude, it was like, it reminded me, the, the laughter comes because it reminded me of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. It was like dirt jail. Like a bunch of guys like laughing at me and yelling at me and and I'm thinking, dude, who knows? Maybe this is this might be the time this, that I this just might be it. Maybe I'm just gonna get accused of a crime and have to admit that. I mean, not that I did it, but just admit this is my fate, dude. Eventually, yeah. I can't keep getting arrested and having all these close calls. Yeah, very very gnarly close calls. <laughs> yeah, gnarly so what, close what, calls. What happened when you were in jail? What? So while I'm in jail. Um, I didn't, I, my future hangs over my head and I essentially, this is what you were describing as your point of no return mm. for the first time in my life. It wasn't just, I believe in you, but I said, God, I don't actually care anymore. I don't care if I get out of jail or not. I don't care if I, maybe I'm just going to live in the Bahamas as a, you know, labor camp worker. I don't know how any of this works. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm offshore. I don't know how their legal system works. Yeah. So I just kind of said, God, whatever your plan is, mm. I'm actually going to live for you. And it was the Ecclesiastes recap. It was like, I don't, I know it's not just traveling the world. I know it's not making a bunch of money. I know it's not just partying. Whatever your plan is, I'm going to live for you. Mm -hmm. And little did I know that I was only going to be sitting in that jail for like a day and a half. Mm -hmm. And uh, then the captain comes out. He's like, you're coming with me. The other deckhand. He stayed. They, I don't, I never know what, but they were like, actually, you guys look so similar. We just arrested both of you and we, we needed that guy. We've talked to the, the people on the yacht and they said it was this guy. And I'm like, okay, but I needed that moment. I needed a moment to have everything in my life completely blacked out and say it no longer mattered. My identity and being a yacht guy or being a sales guy or being just a fun loving dude, that's all. I don't want any of it. I'm just going to now actually live for you for the rest of my life. Okay. We have seven minutes left. I know there's a couple other details, but you got back to Boise. Yeah. What What did that look like with you surrendering your life to Christ? For those people that are listening right now, and they're like, this guy has a lot of crazy stories, but they're also like, well, I've had a DUI. Yep. I went to jail. I got blamed for yep. something. Um, there was some crooked, you know, uh, crime stuff that, you know, could happen that my name came up. I mean, it's so funny cause like everyone can experience similar stuff, maybe not as intense of going to jail, but there's always, when you're not walking with God and you're living just a, a, a life for yourself and you could just, uh, and you're hanging out with kind of like in the party scene, you could end up in bad situations Yes, on accident. Like oh, totally. you, know, you could just be drinking and end up in a DUI. Yeah. And you could hit someone and you might be facing yep. life in prison oh, yeah. just for a stupid night of drinking some beer yep. or whatever. Yep. What would you, so what what'd you do when you got back? What did fully committed I'm going to live your, my life for you look like? For me, it was having – because I think every moment of a wake-up call puts your identity into question. Right. And for me, the, for the very first time, I actually identified as a Christian. Mm-hmm. So I actually knew – which, which, which answered all the other questions. Right. So before I'd come back to a new place, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Right. Now I didn't care what people thought about me for the right. first time in my life, Your actually. Identity my identity is a Christian. So now I can do anything. Now I took a job as a dishwasher. 
at 30 years old or 29 at the time. Yeah. I was like, I can actually just be a dishwasher. I don't have to, I don't have to do anything mm-hmm. other than follow Jesus. Yeah. And I can serve, I can, I can volunteer at a church. I can go to Bible studies and no, it doesn't matter who thinks anything different of me. I can go into a church and no one has to know me. It doesn't, they, I, I don't care what you think Dude, about me so anymore. My identity is solved. Yeah. I finally know that I believe in Jesus and I'm going to live for him. And after that, it doesn't matter. And so for the first time in my life, I was able to go to a new location or set up a new thing and have no, no tug of war. I didn't have to worry about anything. I was like, it's over. The tug of war is over. I am going to follow Jesus and I do not care. And I think it was so fresh where I had basically said, I'll live in prison or I'll you know, live on a whatever I need to do that everything felt like gravy, dude. Everything felt like the free gift of a new day. Like I'm actually just here at a church meeting new people and learning about Jesus. For the first time, I was like, this is great. I don't need anything else. You know, when you're saying that, I think I think that last section was just so awesome, the way you, you said about the identity. And I think when you look at life and people with mental health and, and just like, you know, with the LGBTQ yeah. plus whatever and just email or like people or how people, what music they listen to, everything's – find identity so that people are finding their identity through life situations or music or yeah. they identify who they're sleeping with or whatever yeah. but the peace comes everyone's looking for jesus a relationship with god because when you have your identity in christ that's where you have your peace yep. and nothing else matters because all the different situations that you put yourself into is because you're trying to find your identity yeah. like am i going to find myself by traveling the world am yeah. i going to Maybe that's my identity. I'm just I just travel and I that's that's how I found myself or whatever it is. But you found it when you just finally said, I don't care anymore. I don't care. And dude, I could personally relate to that. Yeah. That when I when I when I was also in Panama City and I gave my life to Christ and, and I at that point I just I didn't care anymore. Yeah. About nothing. Yeah. And that's when the peace came and it didn't matter who I was or what people thought about me. Yeah. And that's where the peace comes. So encourage the people we got two minutes left. Um People that are listening right now, well, actually, let me end it with this. What do you do now? <laughs> so Since now. You found Christ. I know there was a big process yeah. between giving your life to Christ to where you're at now. So That's now, a whole other show. And, and yeah, a whole other show. But in one minute, just going back to the very beginning of the story, I had a yeah. mom who said, trust God and everything yeah. will work out. I had a dad who said, try the world. During this whole story, my mom had peace. God's going to take care of him. Mm-hmm. My dad was nervous. Like, this guy could die, end up in prison. What's he doing yeah. in his life? Yeah. My mom had peace because when I was a young child being dedicated in a church, a pastor, straight-laced, suit-and-tie, non-charismatic, but just Holy Spirit guy said, this, day, this guy's going to be a pastor someday. Mm-hmm. So my mom held that little prophetic word in her heart, and all through the ups and downs, she said, you know, I, I still trust that someday God is going to work this out and he's going to become a pastor. And to end the story, me just getting involved, the Lord did have a plan that was somehow he used all of the chaos to get me exactly where he wanted me. And so now I am a pastor at the church that I came just to serve in. And um, I've been here now for seven years as the lead pastor, but I've been in ministry since 2011, so 12 years. And people that don't know you um, from the show is, you know, you you didn't come here to be a pastor, but God, through a series of events— that happened, yep. you were placed there. So yep. it wasn't like you were like, I'm going to be a pastor. No. You just basically found your identity in Christ yep. and you followed him. Yep. And 
ever since then you've been following him, God has been uh, opening the doors for you and he's taken you on this journey. Obviously you're married, you got kids, yeah. you're the, you're here at Calvary Chapel Boise, which is actually, it's a, it's, it's a mega church of, of Idaho um, here, right here in the city. And God is continuing to use you to do great things. I personally think, dude, this story is amazing, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, just evangelistically, I mean, this story can relate. You're a kid from Idaho, right? I yeah. mean, you're an adult now, but you're you're just you grew up here in Idaho. But this story can relate to literally. Yeah. I mean, as we're sitting here, I'm like, this story can relate to so many yeah. people from like New York City, yeah. L.A. Yeah. I mean. You're just like, I grew up in Idaho, a little oh, yeah, country yeah, yeah. town. Yeah. No. But I tried this, it all. <laughs> this story is seriously global. Mm-hmm. So, dude, thank you for being on yeah. the show. Check out uh, Calvary Chapel, Boise, when you're here. It's uh, it's in Idaho. It's the main city down here. And uh, don't forget to go to uh, Ryan Reese Official on YouTube. Subscribe. Share the videos. I actually have a really awesome, another show with you, just talking about faith stuff. Yep. That's also on my channel as well. Go to the whosoevers.com. Book us. If you want to donate to our mission, our mission is the Great Commission. We invade schools publicly, high schools, colleges, universities. We do church events as well. Our whole thing is we want to get in front of people and let them know that God loves them and he has a plan for them. So we could hopefully save them from making so many crazy mistakes like this guy. And like me, you know my story. I have many uh, stories of, of running from God. And God's showing up. I woke up in jail, ended up in DUI, a lot of different things. And yet it wasn't until I fully surrendered and said, I don't care. I want you. And that's when my whole life changed. Peace. Peace. This has been The Ryan Reese Show. To connect and find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for The Ryan Reese Show. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.